0: Hey you last week was a really fun reminder of my desire to create so much busy that nothing actually gets done and that really old habit that fills up my calendar with conversations and repetition, but no no real movement right so what i 'm going to talk about today is the difference between rushing and urgency it's a very very fine line because you're listening to this. You're probably very creative. You come up with ideas. You're an initiator. You take action. We can get so compelled to act that we kind of stop to remember what it is that inspired us in the first place. There's a huge difference between rushing and urgency, They can look the same though. And without this exploration, they can feel very similar as well. Especially when it's a creative product, when it's a creative project and creative, just so that we're clear, doesn't mean art to me. You, I believe everybody is an artist. I believe everybody is creative. It is a skill that needs to be honed. It is something that needs to be honored and practiced and invested in in order to develop it like anything else, like any other muscle or skill that we have. But it's going to look a little bit different for everyone. As an example, this is one of my creations. This is a piece of art that I am offering up. You might be a writer, you might be an accountant, you might be a speaker, you might be a parent (laughs) with very tangible creations that are completely out of your control. Whatever it is, that process of creation, once that baby is birthed, the desire is overwhelming. The need to get it out, to get it perfect, to get it seen, completely consumes us. That desire can lead us into rushing. But I think after this podcast you're going to have a much better understanding of the difference between these two. I certainly had never really thought about it. And the reason I I put this one right after the uh, comparisonitis, jealousy, envy, envy versus expansion podcast, that's what I called it. See wanky title. I talk a handful. I talk a little bit about this in that one. I'm going to refer to some of the other same points of inspiration. So, I mean, I kind of talk about the same books all the time, I'm definitely a reader, I'm definitely a book nerd. I'm definitely considering a book club. I don't know. Text me 720-704-4865. Would you want to meet me in one of my many travel destinations and discuss some of these fun books that I love reading? Anyhow, uh, if that's true, I'm like actually checking <laughs> to make sure that's the number for my texting. Yeah. 720-704-4865. Whew. Okay. Rushing versus urgency. I talked a little bit about this with uh, Gay Hendricks, Conscious Luck. And he talks about in order to feel lucky, in order to actually cultivate your own luck, you can't rush. Rushing is all about going fast, passing, passing by, moving forward, movement, speed, performance. Now, all of those words are relative, They're all external metrics. The only way you can know if you're going fast is if you're looking outside of you and and measuring your speed by something else. You're simply trying to pass by that which is around you. It's all about forward momentum at the fastest speed possible. It's performance-based. This isn't about you, your needs, your passions, your desire. Rushing is about fear, fear of failure, fear of being enough. It's definitely wholly based in comparisonitis. And yeah, it creates a ton of action. It makes you look so busy. And it is incredibly validating because we're able to measure ourselves against external factors and go, I did good. And that good is simply, I went fast. And as someone who was wholly addicted to productivity, fully performance-based, I was the first one to get to the office, the last one to leave. I needed everybody to know how hard I was working. If you ask me a question, even now, my answer will likely be, I'm working. It is very ego-driven and I, again, I don't say that to be judgmental or critical. It just is. It is something that our monkey mind, our need for speed creates. Why? Because we need those instant hits of feel good. We are looking for validation. This is old programming. This is something we were essentially told we needed as children because as children, we have Firstly, there's no rushing. And secondly, there's no metrics. We don't know how to measure our performance. So it's you know, told by getting ready for school or finishing your multiplication table or um, whatever it might have been, um, getting ready on time. And we slowly learned that there is a finite amount of time available for us. It is a non-renewable resource, at least in this current experience. So we rush out of fear. And I will say this as many times as needed for you to absorb it into your subconscious. But anytime we create or do out of fear, the results will be subpar. Fear is a distraction. It detracts from our ability to do anything. It takes up an exorbitant amount of our bandwidth. It is exhausting when we create and do out of fear leaves us feeling burnt out. It leaves us feeling disconnected when you're doing something for the sake of someone else, knowing or seeing that you did it, or because you want to go faster than the person next to you. You're totally disconnected from what you want and why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. So why do we do this? Time is one of the variables we cannot ever control. It feels like control the faster we're moving. We feel like we're gaming time, like we're dominating time when we're just filling it with meaningless action. <clears throat> and it's scary, hence the fear. When we don't know how long something's going to take, it's uncertain. Our subconscious interprets that as fear and then goes to its next best strategy to combat, which is brute force. So now we're using fear and force, which are equally distracting and disconnecting and exhausting to create. It is a losing battle, my friend. It is a binary. We're afraid of failure. So we act one or the other. And I think I i mean, I even used to say this action is the anecdote to fear. Not true. And you're allowed to do that, my friend, just a little side note you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to evolve. You're allowed to contradict what you've said in the past. Compassion is the anecdote to fear. And I'm going to get into that in a second. But so again, why are we rushing? We're afraid. Why are we afraid? Because the results are uncertain. Our success is uncertain. So we race through the discomfort, we rush past it. And this is why we get subpar results. And if you have worked with me in any one of my many, many lifetimes, and I don't mean lifetimes in the woo sense. I mean like music industry, um, you know, management, recording studio, record label, touring, (laughs) US based, Australian based uh, cannabis industry. I mean, far out. That's like half of what it's not even half I've done. I'm one of those people that's had every job under the planet from scrubbing toilets to line cooking to bartending, to management, to festivals, to corporate. Like it's, granted, that was cannabis corporate. Let's just be real about that. But um, yeah, the list goes on and on. And I have rushed my way, sloppily, messily, chaos, creating the whole damn way. Uh, So I, I see this, I get it, I know it. Here's the flip side to rushing urgency. So whereas rushing is performance based, it is all about speed, It is all about movement, it is all about forward action. urgency comes from a place of importance, earnesty, imperative. I think I just switched grammatical terms, but bear with me on this. Urgency is compelling. It is that insistence this gets done. So what's the biggest difference between rushing and urgency? Oh, I hoped you'd guessed it. You're right. It's your values. It's priorities. It's what's important to you. It's why they can show up very, very similarly in our experience, but they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. When we step into a place of urgency, urgency, We're leveling up. We're getting out of the fear and force and we're getting into connection, purpose. Everybody wins creation and trust. That's where we want to create from my friends. That's where we act from. That's certainly where we lead (laughs) from. I was just talking about this with my business partner and my finance firm. She is, uh, she's amazing at rushing. She can get an exorbitant amount of work done in a lot, uh, in a short amount of time, but she is rushing and it is messy. (laughs) There's a lot of unnecessary action created. And I was saying to her, look, there's always going to be too much work. I've said it to you before. That's kind of the whole point. We wouldn't have a job if we ever actually got through it. That's why I always, I always watch my words. I'm never playing catch up. I'm simply working, right? Cause there's always going to be too much to do. So how do you figure out what you should be focusing on priority? And then, oops, I just, okay. So how do you focus on what you need to do in this moment? What you should be working on priorities. It all feels urgent. It all feels important, But the reality is we can only ever do one thing in this moment and everything isn't a priority. It just isn't. You can argue with me on that one. When you look at your long list of to-dos, there are things that are urgent and then there are things that are just not. I Believe me, I've looked at your list. I've looked at my list. I get it. It all feels like it needs to get done yesterday. This is where you get to filter and use your values, use your vision, use your mission, use all of the structures you've built out to enable you to go, okay, well, understanding there are not 37 hours in this day or 365 days available to me in this moment. What is it that I am going to do today? What is urgent? What will be, as uh, Gary Keller likes to say, what is the next best thing I can do to make everything else easier or potentially unnecessary. That my friend is how you prioritize. It is about being effective instead of efficient. It is about creating impact instead of busy. So your values are a fantastic filter that will help you look at your list and go, well, this is clearly what is most important to me right now. And as I always say, sometimes that's not work. Sometimes that's actually connecting with your partner or family or friends. Sometimes that's getting outside and getting into nature. Sometimes that's moving your body, taking a few deep breaths, maybe taking a nap, eating something nutritious, or something completely delightful, whatever's going to tickle your pickle. Look to your values when you're feeling overwhelmed to enable you to filter what is of the highest priority to me and my business. Now, we can obviously create plans and from there strategies, and there will be plenty of podcasts about that. So I'm just going to simply touch on these two briefly, because what we're trying to do here is filter between urgency and rushing. So rushing is just like ticking off every single item on your to do list for the sake of getting it done. And again, I, I literally operated like this for 30 years. I fucking get it. This is the same feeling as going to the gym and getting on a treadmill while also trying to read your emails and listen to a podcast at the same time. You're just doing it to get it fucking done. You are not going to absorb the information that you need from the podcast or your emails, nor is your body going to get the workout it's going to get while you're distracting yourself with all this other media on the treadmill. Like, why are you at the gym? If it's just... To tick a box, uh, maybe go take a 20-minute hit class. You, you will not be able to distract yourself, and you're going to get a, a potentially painful <laughs> and harmful workout. It will be so effective. But ask yourself why. Why are you rushing through everything? I, I know the answer to this question, but it is worth you getting very real with yourself. Who are you doing it for? Who are you trying to impress? If if it's about the results, where can you create more impact and more effectiveness in your action? If you're afraid of something, pause this podcast right now and write that down. Get curious about that. Once you have plans, then you can create strategies, then you can implement yada yada yada. <clears throat> the reason you're not getting the results that you want is because there is something off in that strategy implementation. And for the sake of this particular exploration, I'm suggesting it's rushing. Maybe that resonates, maybe not. You're listening for a reason, so I'm assuming it does resonate. Okay. Lecture over. (laughs) Take a moment, deep breaths. Because this is, again, when you get through this, you're going to realize there's a huge difference between urgency and rushing. And let's start with just honoring the fact that everything feels really important. That's because you take pride in what you do. It is important. The thing is, is with our plans, what we need to honor is our capacity, what we have the time, money and resources for right now. So many of my people, whether they be clients or friends with young families are constantly beating themselves up because they just don't have the time. One of their values is family. So that comes first when you have young children, not first before everything else. But like, I know kids are not great with scheduling and plans. They kind of have their own agenda going on. And it is selfish, So honor that, you know, make room for that in your plans. And how do you do that, my friend? Compassion. Here's what's interesting, because I'm uh, I, it's, I'm going to digress for a minute. Uh, bear with me. So a good friend uh, pissed me the fuck off on the weekend, and I let her know about it. And she was like, wow, you're really angry. And I was like, well, I mean, what you did was shitty. And I'm telling you that I did not appreciate that. And now I'm over it that's how I feel my feels. They are intense, they are fast moving, (laughs) and I experience them wholly so that I can release them. But I often describe myself as being kind of a robot. And you've definitely heard me joke about feelings being like gross and distracting, and um, especially something that in business feels a little uh, out of place. That's definitely a story that I tell. I feel the feels So back to my point, compassion. Compassion is one that feels especially gross for me. (laughs) But I looked up the word origins. I don't know if you've ever done this. It's something I do when I'm not rushing and honoring the urgency of what I am trying to create. Compassion simply means with passion. This is where artists, I think, can get ahead of themselves. And even though the most... Up in the clouds, airy-fairy, dreamer, creator, beer can start to rush through things, especially when they have an idea, especially when they've created something. Why? Because they're so passionate about it. It's their baby. They've birthed it. And what I've worked with you know, for 20 years working with artists is just to let them know, look, just because you're holding your baby in your arms does not mean you throw it into college, right? Like we can create a plan. We can create a strategy. And that beautiful, perfect baby of yours is going to be seen and honored and bought. Not that you should sell your babies, but you get where I'm going with this convoluted analogy. By the perfect customer at the perfect time with the perfect strategy. Stephen Pressfield, who I think I've talked about a thousand times, he's one of my favorite authors. He seems to skirt the edge of sardonic and satirical, but with very heavy, um, very profound concepts. And I I really love that. So two books I recommend to every creator dreamer trailblazer is the art, the war of art and the artist's journey. So the artist's journey, obviously a, a play on Joseph Campbell's, the hero's journey, the idea being that like every piece that an artist creates again whether it's a podcast or a spreadsheet or a child or a piece of work is the hero's journey every time we get up in the morning and brush our teeth and live our day we experience several hero's journeys with trials and tribulations and bloody defeats and phoenix rising from ashes and friends and foes and fakers and <laughs> it's dramatic I mean, until it's not, until it's just simply the process of creation. And so just use compassion for yourself, for your ideas, for your desire to rush. Because it is with compassion that we're able to look to our values, look to our plans, look to our strategies and go, ah, okay, this is important, but this is not happening right now. This is efficient. This is... This is going to create a bunch of action, but this is not compelling. This is not imperative. It might feel like an, it's insistence <laughs> needs to, to happen right this second. But when I take a step back, again, using my values, plans, and strategies to evaluate this, how, how important is it really? We need proof. That's another place that that rushing tends to interrupt us because we're looking for evidence. We're looking for guarantees. We're looking for certainty. Now, when we honor the urgency in our creations and in our businesses, we are saying this is super, super important to us. This feels like it's really going to move the needle and give us the results that we want. Now, there's only one way to figure that out, and that's to get it out there, to step it out with a plan, with a strategy. And I think... I've certainly talked about this in some blogs, but goal setting theory suggests that we, we need when setting goals, especially when we're building this muscle of creativity, of trust, of compelling movement, connected movement, small achievable goals are going to be far more impactful than like huge daunting goals. I was talking with somebody the other day about my own income goals. And, you know, I'm focusing on where I want to be in 10 years. She was like, how about next month? great reminder small achievable goals it's going to give your consciousness both subconsciousness and consciousness so what you were both aware of and unaware of in terms of your perspective on your environment and how you work and do when we give ourselves the evidence of achievement we will believe that we can take on bigger goals we will set Bigger goals far are our, for ourselves, and we will be inherently more successful because we believe we can do it. If you don't believe you can achieve what you set out to, you're kind of already setting yourself up for failure. Uh, hit me up for some theta on that one. Um, so you know, pick smaller, achievable goals. Something that feels like a stretch. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't you know, punk out and give yourself like I'm gonna eat breakfast today. How about a healthy breakfast? <laughs> or for some of us who are uh, battling the coffee demons yeah it's how about a non-caffeinated breakfast oh my gosh i just shook my protein speaking of non-caffeinated breakfasts (laughs) i just shook my protein shake uh with the lid open so that went everywhere and then i realized i was rushing trying to do too many things at once So I set my intention for my focus for the remainder of this podcast. And I'll share that because you can check yourself before you wreck yourself in any moment, my friend. So just notice when that rushing really starts to take over and overshadows the urgency of what it is that you're trying to do. Remind, you know, that question I always say, how will you know you've been successful at the end of this? That's when you get to set your own metrics. It becomes an internal process and an internal activity as opposed to something being done for everybody else outside of you. So we're looking for proof. We're looking for evidence. We're building our confidence. We're building this ability to expand and grow by setting achievable goals. So as an example, <laughs> no caffeine unless I start acting like a complete dipshit. And then, and then maybe I get caffeine. You know, it's like I will, I will try today. Today will be the goal that I am trying to achieve. And maybe it's only in this moment. And I am allowed, if need to, in the next moment to try something different. That's how you grow your success as well. It's by taking the time to review the strategy and plans at hand. And then you change one variable. I know I say this all the time as well, but like every day, I talk to people who are like, well, that didn't work. I'm going to start all the way over and try something completely new. That is rushing, my friends, because we're freaking out since the time the variable that we cannot control is leading us astray. It is making us afraid because we did not achieve the goal that we set out to in the amount of time that we desired. Therefore the entire strategy fucking failed and we have to start, we have to try something completely new. No, don't distract yourself from the discomfort in this moment. Instead sit here and go, okay, well, what if I change one variable? What if I take a very small part of the overall strategy and try something different? You're not going to create more work. You are going to create more effort- efficiency. And then by testing one variable at a time, you will find something that succeeds. I promise you. And another thing I've, I think I've been mentioning this on the last few, cause I've been really playing with this is if I guarantee by the end of this activity that you choose, you will be successful. Would you keep going? I've certainly found that if if I start with a guarantee of success, I make very different decisions in the moment. I am able to have balls out conversations or try really intimidating things. If I tell myself you are 100% going to succeed, you just got to keep going. Oh, uh, I wanted this story popped into my head when I was thinking about rushing versus urgency in terms of like, especially iterating and improving on a strategy. So when I first started my record label and managing bands, I put together a sampler CD with a one sheet and uh, some photos and blah, blah, blah for anybody who knows what I'm talking about. You get it for others, just like a little pitch deck, right? This was, I mean, God, this was early 2000s though, mid 2000s, if I'm fair, probably somewhere around like 2005, 2006. And I sent it out to like everybody who was anybody, and this was in Australia, in the Australian music industry. And um, then I followed up with all of them. I called them, I emailed them, and I just like was ticking these to-do list, to-do items off a list, right? And I, I got some response, you know, for the right people who heard it, but I think I sent out, I remember doing a count of every single record store in Australia. And there was like 300 ish at the time. Now when I had lived in the States and I was working in marketing uh, for a record label, I I would service that many record stores in a day. So I was like, I can fucking do this. And yeah, just created this one blanket send out for every single record store. And believe me, you, my, the music I was working with was not for everybody and yeah I mean I got a handful of results I was able to start selling consignment then that able that enabled me to pitch for distribution and so on and so forth and like it worked I got an okay distribution deal whatever fast forward probably three years and this is when I'm starting to get into touring uh I have just completed my MBA and I'm now renting office space from one of these music managers who I had like totally pedestalized when I first moved to Australia. I thought he was working with the coolest bands at the top of the charts, playing, you know, headlining all of the festivals. And now I'm like essentially in his office upstairs, leasing it out, kind of doing like a little weird co working space for that didn't exist yet, but it was the same model. And we were having a coffee outside, probably having a cigarette because, you know, it was that was still a thing. And I was telling him about getting the label off the ground. And he started he like spit his coffee out and just started laughing. I was like, Bill, what what's so funny He's like, I remember receiving your, you know, your your PR envelope, if you will. And he's like, we literally like frisbeed your CDs out the window. (laughs) I was like, you know, I could totally laugh about it at the time because I was now the recipient of like, you know, 20 to 50 of those packages every week. And they're just, they're just someone ticking shit off a to-do list. It's just like spraying the industry with what you're doing with the hopes that like it lands somewhere. And oh, it did land outside the window on the street, like a frisbee. And it was just so funny, because in the moment when I was doing that, I, you know, I made a massive list of all of the cool managers, I made a massive list of all the cool record stores, I made a massive list of all the cool booking agents and promoters, and I just started sending out. And nowhere did I review that strategy. Nowhere did I think, well, how much am I spending on this? Or I wonder if you know, I'm just calling to see like, did you get it? Did you listen to it? What did you think? Uh, And like, you know, out of probably sending out 300 packages, probably less than 10 people ever actually responded to that. But I was like, Oh boy, did I do a good job? Was that really great? And, uh, so yeah, I share that because firstly, it was so fucking funny when I could laugh at myself about creating such useless, busy work and, and, and thinking like, wow, you're really doing your job. Uh, that said it did help me build this muscle of trust of take take action you know and and now like i understand the power of reviewing (laughs) what i probably should have done is send out 10 packages and then got in touch with the people who had received them and asked them is this a good use of my time (laughs) or you know even better is there anyone you know that you might recommend who would appreciate what I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to do it for trust, trust that it is all going to work out. I've said it before. I've said that like 50 times in this fucking podcast, step into a place of belief. I know I am going to be successful. What will demonstrate that to me so that when I finish this activity, I know how it feels, how I want to feel, with that feeling, then you take action. Uh, just to remind you, there are a couple books I referred to uh, Gay Hendrix, Conscious Luck, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, and The Artist's Journey. Those two are like less than 100 pages. Super, super quick reads. All three of those are great on audiobook. Uh, and then The One Thing by Gary Keller. I refer to it all the time. It's fantastic. If you think everything you're doing is important, read The One Thing. And I think that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, text me 720-704-4865. It's where I show up on the daily. Social isn't my favorite, but if you do want more, I have The Container, which is a community for people just like you and The Biz Inc., which is a business incubator designed for trailblazers, rule breakers, and rebels who are unplugging from the matrix with living their own lives, creating their own livelihoods through business and through monetizing art. So share this, send me feedback, send me questions. I will answer them happily on future episodes. Standing right there with you, my friend, sending you all the best XOBZ.